0: Lord, we thank you today that you have broken off every chain of our lives, oh Lord. We pray that spiritual breakthrough will bring national breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that as you have broken off the chains of our hearts, you will break off the chains of injustice. The broken worldviews will be broken off of people's lives right now, and you will make us whole in our bodies, souls, and minds. Teach us, O oh Lord, to be righteous and to be doers of righteousness, O oh God, that inspire a nation to live holy and righteous before you. Bless our time together here today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus? It's good to be here. We, we welcome you. You may be seated. I'm Joe Y. Rostick, your friendly neighborhood pastor. This is our first time as you're seated, that we are gathering together in church lawfully by our state government. Let's give it up for Jesus. He has been faithful to us. We came passively resisting, and as we passively resisted, the Elam Pentecostal Church led the way in the lawsuit, and as of last week, it reached the Supreme Court. And because of the Supreme Court, Governor Pritzker withdrew his restrictions and gave us simple guidelines. Let's give it up for Jesus, for you being faithful. God bless you. And at that same moment we had a victory, our nation went into another situation. You know, I'm generally not the one in a basement trying to connect the dots with the pins on the board and yarn. But you would have to almost be ignorant to to miss how our world is trying to push us into chaos. We were pushed into chaos through COVID, and I'm not a COVID denier. I believe that it was very much real and harmful. But over time, it was used against us to take our liberties. And then in the next breath, we see that this travesty, the tragic thing that happened with George Floyd, getting us cast into a race war and to rioting in our cities. And so I don't know if you track with me on Facebook, but I would encourage you to, especially if you like to be in the midst of controversy, just follow me there, because I'm not afraid of it. And I was so just heartbroken watching the video of this African-American gentleman being pinned down for eight minutes. My heart was broken to see that the other officers did nothing to stop the one officer. And in my mind, I thought that this was going to be different than the times that I have lived through before. Because it seemed to be from every angle, you could clearly see that injustice was done. Also, I'm a part of different conservative groups, though I don't consider myself only a Republican. I consider myself conservative and may vote Republican or independent, whatever follows my worldview according to the scripture. But I noticed even on all of those sites, those who are police officers, those who love law enforcement, were standing up, going, This is unjust. This is something that needs to be taken care of. And as a matter of fact, I did not see anyone anywhere defend the actions. No one. And then when I went to bed and woke up the following day, I woke up to the video images that you have probably seen of a city on fire, businesses being destroyed. And I simply put a post up on Facebook that said, just so we're all on the same page We now know this has nothing to do with justice, right? And what surprised me was the the responses that I got, not only from my worldly friends, but from Christians thinking that somehow destroying an innocent community was a part of how to protest. And then I found myself in another controversy over the last couple of days. I don't know if you have found out what I have found out, that many people don't understand justice according to the things of the word of God. Do you know that a fair trial that we now have in our bill of rights actually comes from the word of God? That we are not supposed to be judge and jury? No matter what we saw on the videotape, that person deserves a fair charge and a fair trial. It was as if within moments, those folks did not only just want the arrest to happen in minutes, they wanted to have him ju- tried and hung. We don't believe that in this country. Do we believe in vigilante justice? No, that's not a biblical way of handling justice. And some people say it, take, it took too long. What, a few days? A few days, my friends, we have to do things in this country the right way. Now I know the other officers may still be waiting for their charges. And if there's not laws not in place yet to ensure that the accomplices get held accountable as if that was happening in a basement and somebody was being murdered, that should change because police officers should be held accountable for what they allow another police officer to do. But my friends, I was so distraught by what I saw from people claiming to love Christ. Some of the the ignorant things that I heard. As I mentioned, King. And by the way, when we took up our cause for our First Amendment right against the state, we used Martin Luther King Jr.'s principles. This does not mean I affirm everything that he believed, but I am a believer in passive resistance. I have it here in my notes. You can click on. It, as a matter of fact, I like I'm seeing, the introduction "Stride Toward Freedom" is the book that he wrote, and "A Pilgrimage Towards Nonviolence" is where you can get his principles. And we used those same principles. If you remember, those who saw me on the media, I never said that I was in defiance. I never said that I was here trying to cause a ruckus. What did I use as my term? I chose it very specifically. I was passively resisting an unjust law. And you can go through here, just scroll slowly so they can see the principles of Martin Luther King Jr. But I heard people say, we're done with King. We're done with doing things his way. My friends, if you read in his book, he talks about at the time when he lived, he saw lynchings go unconvicted. Uh, he saw judges turn their back against the African American people, and yet he still strove for nonviolence. How in the world can we say we are done with Dr. King's principles when we have not even witnessed the atrocities that he witnessed? And then I said to them, okay, well, let me understand this. You are saying to me, you are no longer a protester. You are a revolutionary like someone in the Tea Party during the time of British uh, revolt against British. And they were saying, yes, that's what I see myself as. Then I said to them, then the Bill of Rights no longer applied to you. You are now an enemy combatant of the United States of America on the same ground as a 9-11 terrorist. Is that where you want to be. And then they got a little bit woke up and said, no, no, I don't want to be that. Well, then you should go back to peaceably protesting because unless you want our soldiers to fire on you as an enemy combatant, you need to know what peaceful protest is. And that is to allow your voice to be heard and allow others to agree or disagree. When I saw this happening and pastors with their cowardly spirit saying, we just need to listen to their voices. I said, why don't you put on a police uniform and stand between them and a store or somebody's community and see how much they want you to listen to their voice. This is tyranny. This is tyranny. So those of you here who grew up into different ages of our culture, you remember what it was like when Cuba was a free country and then Che Guevara and Fidel Castro were the friends of the people supposedly and their revolts was to set everybody free. How did Cuba turn out, my friends? You see, now my people that are in this church, you escape Cuba, will tell you exactly what it turned out to be and they're still having to eat out of coupon books. My friends, this is not justice. This is tyranny. Look at what the Bible says in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Would you hold there, please? The Bible says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. After the time of Moses, a great leader of Israel, Joshua, the people then started rebelling against the things of God and God would send them judges so that they could have a prophet in the land. But they would rebel against these judges and aside from maybe Deborah, the only female judge, most of these judges were themselves wicked, if not all the way wicked, at least one foot in the wickedness and one foot in the righteousness. One of the more popular ones we remember is Samson, but Samson is nobody you would want your child to grow up and be like. He was a womanizer. He was a drunkard. He was someone who'd had no respect for the God of Israel and eventually got his own eyes gouged out and conquered by the enemy and he died taking out more than he had lived and was remembered for his failures. We think of him as being strong, but if you truly read the Bible, he's a failure in so many ways. He should never have had that happen to him. And so during this time, It says because they didn't have a leader, everyone did as they saw fit. Let's just take a little bit of a history journey just back to the 50s. Just back to the 50s when we were more Christian than we were now. I'm not saying that everything was perfect back then, but the same generation of Martin Luther King was the same generation of many of our parents or grandparents. Did we not have more of a moral compass than we do right now? And didn't we have more of an understanding of what justice looks like than we do now? When Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, no one went out into their own neighborhoods and burned their own towns down. And that was the leader of the civil rights. Why was that? Because they understood that that wasn't the way to forward their movement. But what has happened over these last 50 or 60 years, look at our own communities right now. Right now, the urban violence is the number one killer of the minority after abortion. Did those things exist during the time of Martin Luther King Jr.? Was there gangs and violence in the black community as it is now? Was there abortion? Of course not. And then people say, well, King failed. No, my friend, you failed to live out what King fought and died for. We now see that the people who were handed the freedom have lost the freedom. And the same thing goes with the Anglos. And we'll leave out the Asians and Latinos right now. You get a free pass this Sunday. But the Anglos, if you see any show during that time from Leave It to Beaver to, to the, uh, the family that all lived together. the What's the family show? Not the Parches. That's another good one. The Brady Bunch, thank you. I'm looking to her, and you guys are all shouting out good ones too. Just look at how much the family unit has gone by, gone down the tube. And now we call a man a woman just because he played Frankenstein or, or Mr. Potato Head and changed up some of his body parts. Is our culture the same? Of course not. We have not lived in the freedom that has been given to us. And so now we're calling out for justice. But what did Martin Luther King Jr. accomplish? Some people say he was a failure. Look at all now the African-American politicians. Look at all the African-American businessmen. Look at all the African-American chief of police and all of the leaders in that community, which was non-existent in his time. But they don't listen, their own community, to their leaders. The mayor of Atlanta was literally brought to tears and brought out Killer Mike, if you know who he is. He's like an urban legend to the community, going, this is not what we fought for. And I say the same thing as an Anglo You know, this is not what we went to civil war over. A lot of times people forget what the civil war was. While Africa was still enslaving Africans, while black Africans were enslaving their own people, while the people of Latin America were still enslaving each other, while the people of Asia and India were still enslaving each other, and in many places they're still enslaved to this day, 600,000 Americans died to free another people group. I'm not talking about you fighting your oppressor to be free. White Americans die to free another group. Are you listening? During that same time, Shaka Zulu was enslaving his own people. What are we going to do different? What are we going to do different in this culture? You see, today people are crying out for a civil war. A civil war for what? So you could kill your baby in an abortion clinic? A civil war so that you can continue to live ungodly? We're not going to fight for that. If you want true freedom, then have freedom first inwardly so that outwardly it makes sense. So many people have become hypocritical in their call for justice. We're calling out for justice over and over and over again. But yet no one wants to call out for justice for the unborn. We're saying that black lives matter, but yet more black lives are killed in abortion clinics and by the hands of gangs than any white cop has ever done. We're saying that a death is worth 200 buildings, and yet in our city, Chicago, there was over nine deaths and a five-year-old girl shot, and all the buildings still stand. We say stereotyping is wrong, but we stereotype all the police. Have we not seen what our stupidity leads to? This is what one of our founding fathers said. And once again, I'm not saying that America equals Christianity, but we need to understand even at their time, they have lived under the power of tyrants and they were ensuring us with the Constitution to come in the Bill of Rights that we could have a safe country. And so we ought not to tear down those foundations thinking that we're going to build a better society. Patrick Henry said, it is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. You see, you don't have to be a Christian to live in this nation, but you better uh, uh, understand what Christianity had to do with this nation. Right. Most of the leaders, even early on, had to be outstanding in their Christian community. Now you say, well, how did slavery exist at that time? It existed because there were cults of Christianity. The very ones who stopped slavery were the Christians. And how did they do so? By the doctrines of the Bible and, mis- and correcting their misinterpretation. If you see the image of the slave on one knee with his hands up and his back scarred, the symbol of the abolition movement was that African-American man. And it said above him, is this not my brother? It was teaching them that you had believed a false version of Christianity. Christianity is marked with people of every color and every culture. You cannot have a white supremacist gospel and as a matter of fact as the christianity began to grow because so many people say to the east my brother to the east let's go back to islam let's go back to these things my friend islam had already made slaves of africa hundreds of years before the white christians ever came So when the slave owner saw that their Christian slaves started coming to true Christianity, they came out with a slave Bible to oppress them and keep them away from the songs and of the stories of liberation, from Marian's song, from Moses' song, and they began to corrupt the Bible. Look it up. They knew that the Bible contained so much liberation. That's why the church was present there in the Underground Railroad, during the time of the Civil War, during the time of Jim Crow era, bringing integration. Has it always been done right? No one is saying that it has, but you ought to understand that if we forget God now, the God of this Bible, we have nothing to look forward to except more terror in our own cities. Go to the next quote, please. Just hit the arrow on your keyboard. Look at what John Adams said. John Adams was clear it is understanding of what the Constitution could do and what it couldn't do. He said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And what this means is a piece of paper cannot stop you from living out your worst tendencies. And I was talking to people about this online, about the Constitution you know there were people alive during the liberation of the slaves, people like Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass, who were actually given the opportunity to go back to Africa and lead a movement of the freed slaves back to Africa. But they purposely decided to stay in America, not to overlook the things that had been done to them, but because they realized that the Constitution afforded them rights and liberties that no other nation on in the, on the planet, especially. Africa could give them. And if you want to see how Africa has been doing without the God of the Bible, just go through the history of Africa up until this day in Libya, black on black slavery still exists. And so there is not, is not a better way to govern a country than by something like the constitution. Maybe there's other ways we could form it, you know, maybe better than our constitution. But if you look at our constitution, it is about as good as it gets. But here's the problem with it. If you do not have a religious people, that alone is not enough. You see, if you tell people you can peaceably protest, but while they're protesting, if they do not respect the store owner out of a golden rule, do unto others as you want done unto you, then you will tear down that store, even if it is owned by the person you're supposedly fighting for justice. Black-owned business is being torn down. So sad. What does that do? You see, we have to wake up and understand that this country needs us. When we opened up the church during our time of exile through the pandemic, when we came back, so many people said we were crazy and that we were reckless. No, what we were doing was offering courage to a community to begin to go out and live again. I heard some pastors in Indiana who already had the freedom say, we don't want to be the guinea pigs. We don't want to have to do that. We ain't opening up until everything is opened up. And that's a shame to those pastors because like in the days of Mother Teresa or the missionaries or the abolitionists, the church should be on the front line. Before we ask the small business to open up, we should say we've opened up. And if it's unsafe, we'll pull back. We're not COVID deniers in any way. But if that we're going to show the culture that we can open up, we should show them the church can open up first. And we should show the culture of racial reconciliation first here in the church that we can get along and we can settle our problems. And that's why when I look at what's going on in Chicago over this weekend, it's mostly young adults of all cultures and they lack biblical sense. They lack the historical narrative of where we've come from and how far we have gone to get here. You see, when you fill your mind with little Wayne or Miley Cyrus and you think twerking is the way to express yourself, you're not going to have any problem about breaking down a Macy's and stealing stuff. You don't understand sexuality. How can I ask you to understand justice? You don't understand family and parenthood. How can I ask you to understand the system? So we're talking to ignoramuses about things that go above their heads. And now, sadly, they're finding out that Antifa and a lot of these white leftists are taking over the black protests. And I'm so thankful for the black leaders who are stepping out now. There's videos of them confronting them, saying, no, you can't come here. Because we still got to be black and in America after you've done this damage. And so I'll call out injustice wherever I see it. And so if there is a grievance or if there is a community that feels they've been done wrong, then may they protest with the church's blessing and with the church's prayers. And may we show the community what it's like to express our grievance But to patronize a people and say, you have to grieve by stealing a pair of Nikes, that does neither them any good or our culture any good. Can we go to some scriptures on justice? Amen. They're not in the notes, but turn there with me quickly. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 and onward. And then we're going to get our guest to testify, Sister Bevelin and her friend. In just a moment, they've come from New Jersey. But let's look at justice in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 and onward. The prophet Isaiah makes a great deal about justice because this is a key indication that a culture is not right when they lack justice. Isaiah chapter 10 verses 1 and onward says, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. How many believe that we have injustice in our land? And we'll name them off in just a little bit, but just think to yourself the injustices that you see. I think the entire idea of the government giving section eight housing in the projects to keep a people down is a part of injustice. I worked in New Orleans in nine different project areas and I saw how it took away the will to work and the will to achieve because they could make more from a check than they could from going and getting a job. But I also believe on top of that, that racism has played a part in different cultures coming into the American dream. Both are wrong, governmental, systematic oppression and everyday folks not hiring somebody because the name on the application is Quashonda or, you know, Lashon and they've done those studies that the name itself got the person disqualified. But my friends, how do we face that injustice? Well, we systematically make sure that the laws are fair. And if that means ending welfare the way that it is, we start asking people to go to work and becoming contributing persons of society, therefore they may not look at burning a business the same way if they own more of the businesses. And then at the same time, we tell all those who are in charge of businesses to start hiring people, not based on their name, but based on their character and their quality. So there are answers. Are there not? I mean, we're not the smartest, uh, you know, sharpest tools in the shed, but can't we figure it out even right here? So we have to go and do likewise and go and vote for these things to change. I'm not in agreement with the homosexual lifestyle, but I believe that they should be treated equally. I believe all Christians should have that, that, uh, that mindset that you're not going to discriminate against the LGBT, and they're not going to discriminate against you. These are the kinds of things that we can work out as a culture. We don't have to take the Christian baker to court because he doesn't want to, in his conscience, make a cake with two men holding hands and kissing each other. No more than the Muslim wants to sell you bacon. Bacon. You get quiet when I say that. But how many know Muslims don't eat bacon? Should you require him to sell you bacon in his in his grocery store? I mean, this is foolishness. We need to respect each other's differences. We need to allow the freedom and liberty for us to live according to our consciences and we ought not to be pitted against each other. Unjust laws are unjust. That's why we should strike them down and deal with those systematic oppressions. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24: 12. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. We also need to have the right hearts. Many of us have a hard heart. That's why we can't see it the right way. I'm not saying that I'm perfectly understanding of everybody's plight. Maybe you came from a different country, or maybe you've suffered in different ways. My wife's family came from Greece, and that's a socialistic nightmare. And they have riots in their streets all the time, or maybe you came from another country. And I, and I know you don't understand what I've gone through as a white suburban boy. Maybe you don't know that, okay? But let me just say this. We shouldn't have a hard heart towards each other. But the Bible says in the end times, this would be a sign because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So listen, you should have a problem with the white meth problem. the the white meth drug usage in our community. You should have a problem with the white broken families. You shouldn't have a hard heart towards that. You should have a problem with the white suicide rate, which is higher than anybody else, and especially the white middle-class, middle-aged man who's more at risk of committing suicide than any other people group. Okay, identify with us. us. Don't have a hard heart. And at the same time, we should identify with the African-American, the plight that they have gone through. We should identify with the plight of the immigrant, those who are coming to this country from other nations. But what happens when we don't have a heart, a, a, a heart made of flesh? Our heart is hard, and now we're wicked in all that we do. And then out of hypocrisy, we only see the injustice that's done towards us. And we neglect to see the injustices that are done towards others. Could someone with the right heart protest and tear down a building while they're claiming injustice in their life? Of course not. Why? Because the person with the right heart would say, this person doesn't deserve the treatment, just like the other person I'm standing up for did not deserve that treatment. Does everybody get that? Could anybody who is of a soft heart kneel on a man for eight minutes as he's telling you he cannot breathe? No, that you can't do that with the right heart. I don't care what position you have in life. If you're not capable of understanding when someone cannot breathe, you don't deserve to have the authority to tell somebody to get down or whatever. And so we should feel compassion. We should feel compassion for each other. And when we do that, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. expressed, we now are not fighting against colors. We're not fighting against cultures. It is now a fight between the just and the unjust. It becomes a simple distinction. What side are you on? Are you on the side of justice or on the side of injustice? And then there we can rally together and say, I'm on the side of justice, wherever that points me, wherever that points me. Next scripture, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses one through five. But yet, in these end times, sadly, the Bible says it will continue to get worse. Though I'm praying for revival in the midst of the worst, because the Bible says as sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. But I wanna get you all woke to this. We cannot expect this to be absolutely resolved until Christ comes back. That does not mean that we just sit back and just sing our Christian songs and do nothing to impact culture. No, we get out there and we hope and we pray and we work and we do all that we can, but we also have to know that ultimately we are fighting a spiritual battle and this is going to have an end result of Christ crushing the devil and his enemies at the end. This is going to come to that. But I pray that we'll see 100,000 disciples before that. Because I want to see what God can do in the land. Just like when Daniel and his three friends were in Babylon, they didn't say, well, we're in Babylon, let the whole thing burn down. No, they did their best to be a blessing and a benefit to Babylon, even Babylon. Same thing with Joseph. While he was in Egypt, he still wanted the best for Egypt. And though we are in a nation that is forgetting God and is wicked in many ways, we should not wish the worst for them but the best. But just just to wake you up to this, the Bible says, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. This is what we're seeing. People will be lovers of themselves. That's why they're killing babies in abortion clinics. They say they're all for science until we show them the science of the beating heart, until we show them the science of the fingernails and of the, the, the fingerprints. They say it's my body, my choice, but they deny science then because according to science, two bodies walk into that abortion clinic and only one comes out. You see, we use science only when it's beneficial, but the Bible says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You see, I worked in New Orleans and I understand the the looting primarily in Katrina. Why? They had been abandoned. They were stuck. They looted for food, but then there was people looting TVs. They didn't even have electricity, but they were stealing TVs. How many know there's a difference there? And it's the same thing we're seeing now. It's not like they're rushing the medical supplies, rushing to things. They're rushing to Nike store in Macy's. Love of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have a form of godliness but deny its power, have nothing to do with such people. Why is it I can't march with the women's march even though I want all of the women in my life to have equal pay? is because they're also marching for abortion. That's why I can't march with them. Why can't I protest with Black Lives Matter? Because they're also wanting to be brutal and unkind to the police and unkind to those who are different than them. And we have watched it time and time again. And so here's what I have to say. Let's have nothing to do with them, but let's raise up a voice in the church of justice warriors who will stand up for the causes that God gave us the word on, that you got a word on. Let's stand for the unborn lives at the abortion clinics. Let's stand for the teenagers in front of the high schools and stand for the peace of the homes and marriages. Let's stand for the businesses and for the community. Let's do it from the church. When the church lost the ability to speak to politics, politics lost the voice of the church. And yes, you say, well, there's a, uh, you know, something that Benjamin Franklin said that there should be separation of church and state. Of course, the state shouldn't control the church, and the church shouldn't control the state. But Martin Luther King Jr. said that the church is the conscience of the state. That means we bring the conscience to the people in power. Let's go to that slide that I have up. Here are the four injustices that I can only just but think of right now that are the most pressing at this time. We see today that politicians do not have our best interest in mind. They were so quick to shut down this church and to rob us of our rights that we had to take them to the Supreme Court for them to back off. The next thing that we see is that people with authority and power are violating citizens' rights. Now, there has been statistics done on this. There are some that say it's more slanted towards people of color. Other times, people say, statistically, it's about even. You can research that. But I would agree that we're seeing people in authority abuse their power. I, as a preacher, love to exercise my First Amendment and go preaching. And the police will come to me, oftentimes polite, and let me continue. But every now and then there'll be a bad apple that will start yelling at me immediately. And then once I start to show him the ordinance, he'll pretend he knew that ordinance all the time, therefore lying. Then he'll begin to manipulate to make himself better. And the entire time, all I was doing was following the First Amendment. And so we need to see the police department, those who carry the sword held to a higher standard. If they don't know how to act, they need to lose their job. And I say this to pastors all the time. I'm one. But there are some pastors, the moment they counsel a woman, they feel they have the right now to sleep with that woman. There are pastors that that sometimes when they get the money, they think they have the right to now have that money. And there are some people who get a badge that think they have the right to kneel on a man after he says he can't breathe. And so if I'm going to speak to pastors, I'll speak to, to police officers. You better have the right character to have that job because we're going to hold you criminally accountable for what you do to citizens. And we as Christians ought to stand for the police and stand for righteousness, as you would for me. Stand for pastors. That's why I bring that up. We as pastors know what it's like to get accused of being a bad apple. I'm no more Jimmy Swagger than the police officer who attends our church is that monster. But we get accused by that all the time. But listen, we ought to be held to a higher standard, though. You ought to expect more from me. And then we got these criminals who shoot children, have no fear of result of them being put in jail because they get let out in a few days. And I'm not talking about unjust judgment. Sadly, that has happened, and I thank God for DNA releasing the right people. But listen, we have criminals that have murdered, and it's been shown that they have murdered, and they have no fear of the law. They're out on their second or third try. When are we gonna start putting the fear of the law back in criminals' lives again? I don't mind having public hangings again. Are you listening? People need to fear the law again. People have no fear of the law. We are a country built on laws, and yet we have neighborhoods that you can't even feel safe walking down today. That is not acceptable in this country. That's an injustice. That is tyranny to our land. And I do believe we change them by the heart. First, their heart has to change, but how many know that we can stand up and say criminals need to learn a lesson? How many believe that? And then lastly, we need to stand up for the right of the unborn. The idea that you can be a human and kill another human and still think you are moral shows you how spiritually backwards we are as a society. And then people tell me, well, I vote according to what I feel is going to do the best for me in these areas, regardless of how they are on the abortion issue, because I don't want to be a one uh, point voter or a one issue voter. Let me ask you something. If slavery was one of the issues, would you still vote for them? Let's say they said, we're going to enslave a certain group of people. Let's say they say, we're going to enslave the people of Nepal. So I don't see any Nepal people here. So let's just say they go, you know what? We're going to enslave the people of Nepal. It's not going to bother you very much. You don't have to own a Napanese person. Don't worry about it. But listen, we're going to enslave the people of Nepal. But at the same time, I'm going to give you free health care. We're going to bring over all your hentai from another country. We're going to make sure that you have free college. Just vote for us and don't worry about what we do with Napanese people. How many of you are overlooking that one issue, Well, they seem to be pretty good. My union tells me to vote for them. Hello, somebody. How many know that one issue makes all the difference? I'm not voting for someone in my conscience that I know is going to own another person. But how in the world are we voting for people who want to murder and to destroy innocent human lives? And listen to me now, because a lot of times people say, well, you pastors, get on your high horse, but do nothing about that. That's a devil's lie. If there's anyone listening to me that is considering an abortion, we as a church, my family, a family in you, will adopt your child. Don't murder them. We'll adopt them in Jesus' name. And we have and will continue to do so. So I don't want to hear that we don't care about them once they're alive. Christians are the most number one givers towards charities around the world and in this country. Have you ever heard of the YMCA? It's not, it wasn't started by Muslims. It was started by Christians. Have you heard of the Salvation Army, you liberal Oompa Loompa? It was not started by Muslims. It was started by Christians. We have been here and we will continue to be here. I love my liberal Oompa Loompa friends. Amen. They like to say that against us. Well, what are we going to do about it now we're fired up? Calling names. What are we going to do about it? Well, we have a choice now to make. I'm going to go to the last passage that I'll read here, Isaiah. Because you know what? It's on the notes, good sir, because if we don't do something about it, our words don't count for anything. i want to read this in its entirety, and then I'm going to have our sisters testify. But listen to the call of justice from the prophet Isaiah. And don't let anybody of any political party push you away from God's definition of justice. And all of us here should not be committed to any party. All of us should say, we'll vote according to this. And if we have to ditch all of these parties, we're going to do the right thing. But it's more than just voting. It's also how you impact your neighbor. My wife was working at a bank, and the woman wanted to have an abortion. And so she went from being a coworker to being a preacher to her friend. And now that baby is alive because my wife cared enough about that unborn child. You have to, it's it's not just a vote, though it includes voting. It's not just preaching to your friends, though it includes that. It's not just protesting, though it includes that. It is all that and then some. It's all of us doing our part. But listen to what the prophet said. Isaiah, Isaiah said, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die. And when one is broken, an adder is hatched. Their cow webs, excuse me, their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil deeds. The acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. But the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. So justice is far from us. And righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if we were in twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We mourn mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none for deliverance, but it's far away. For our offenses are many in your sight and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies of our heart that they've conceived. So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him, talking about Jesus. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, So he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, and on the lips of your children, and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Can we give it up for Jesus today as we hear that reading? Go ahead and scroll back up to those notes where I had the the, the sign there of what's going on in the godless society. We have with us someone who has suffered for their faith. During the midst of this unrighteous protesting, in many ways, the unrighteous rioting, I should say, during the protest, our sister went to the abortion clinic. Was this other sister with you as well? Was it both of you? Both of them together. And while they were there, they were told to stop protesting. And yet they didn't stop, and so they were arrested. Is this not mind-blowing? African-American women protesting the number one killer of African-Americans, which is the abortion clinic, were arrested because of their stance. They are going to Minneapolis to continue to plead with, with the people there for justice. But if we can get a microphone for them to come, I would like them to testify about what it's like to be African-American standing for righteousness and how they view the major issues of the world like the unborn and the injustices of the police because they can give us insight to that. Can I hear an amen? All right. Let's bless them as they come. Come on up here, Sister Bevelin. And if you would introduce your friend, that would be awesome. What's, What's your name? I'm sorry. Come on up. My wife loves you guys. And what was Yvette? Edmay. Edmay. All right. Ad-may. Ad-may. Amen. Testify, sister.
1: Hi, you guys. Hey. <laughs> we're so blessed to Huh? You dropped your earring. We're so blessed to be here. We're so happy that we were able to stop, and we're sorry we're late. It was a long ride. You guys, we had, like, no sleep. You had to, like, get dressed in the gas station. But, <laughs> so... Supermarket. All right, cool. So, um, you know, for us, we really, we are always did ministry. We would go out and street preach and things like that. But um, when Governor Cuomo legalized abortion up to birth, I don't know if you guys know about that, but in New York you can have an abortion up to birth. So if your wife or ladies, if you're in labor and you are in excruciation, excruciating pain, you can say, you know what, I don't want this baby. And they will kill the baby the same way Gosnell killed the baby. So me and her say all the time, Gosnell should get out of jail if that's what they're doing. So um, for us, once we, we we seen that and they lit up the Empire State Building pink, and I mean, Congress was celebrating that day. Um, we knew in our hearts we were like, we, we were actually reactive Christians at that point. Now, we, we always had been pro life and would go out, but you know, we did different types of ministry. We never just focused on uh, life in the womb. And, but when this happened, we, we literally reacted in a way of just like, you know what, well, we got to get out. We got to go to plan, we call it planned murderhood, and we have to really stand and have to fight. So um, for us uh, as black women, Uh, With everything we see, we see, especially in our community, a bunch of hypocrisy. Um, And I will say this. For me, personally, and you guys don't have to agree with me, it it doesn't matter, um, black men is the problem. We are the issue with ourselves, and I'm going to call a spade a spade, okay? Every time I go to this abortion clinic, most of the time I'm going to see black women, maybe a couple of Spanish Dab of white, but most of the time it's going to be a black woman going in there, and sometimes she might have a boyfriend with her, but that's what that's what's going to happen um, at the same time. If I go into a black neighborhood I'm more likely to get robbed in my own neighborhood. I would prefer to live in a white or I'll I'll even live with a bunch of Mexicans before I live in a black neighborhood. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Cause they might hang out and drink, but they're not robbing your car, they're workers. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm being very honest right now. Okay, let's call a spade a spade. The biggest issue for me is that, you know, people of other races, they feel so bound. Like two plus two equals four. It's common sense, but they feel so bound by their color, like, oh, I can't say this. I might be a racist if I say this, and that really pisses me off. That makes me so mad because now we're allowing uh, flesh to choke the truth, and the truth is what cuts. And these people need to hear it, and I'm speaking for my own community, and I say it all the time. Starting from slavery, we were sold by our own people. That's how we got here. Do you know if it wasn't for our own people selling us, there would not be African Americans in this country? Dominicans would not exist because Africans would not have went to Haiti and then had procreated with the uh, Portuguese or Spaniards, whatever they are. That's how Dominicans came about. None of this would not have happened if we didn't sell ourselves out. So we've been doing that from the beginning. Now, yes, there is systematic racism. There is systematic oppression. But... We are the ones voting them in. Anywhere you go is Democrat cities, but we vote them in. We will send them into office. We just we just drove through uh, Memphis. Memphis is a w- terrible city. You can s- feel the spirit of death on that city. It's predominantly black, and guess what? We voted them in. So now we scream and we cry about police brutality, but most of the time, it's in Democrat cities. Everything we do, it's like we, we continue to just stab ourselves in the stomach, and because we have a narcissistic culture, we don't take the time to take responsibility for ourselves. We just know how to point the finger, and we blame everybody else, every other race, and that's why we right now are headed to extensitivity. I'm gonna keep it 100. We're headed to extinction, you guys. And 2050, if we don't stop aborting ourselves, African Americans won't exist. Yeah, yeah, this is a huge issue. It's a huge issue. We're the problem, but I'm gonna tell you why we are the problem. And I'm I, 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 okay. It's the church. We're the problem. The, the problem is the church. Christians. Jesus help me, are selfish, they're not selfless, okay? We were supposed to die to self when we went in that water and were baptized, (laughs) right? Old Adam is supposed to die, and you're supposed to come out like Christ and walking like Christ. And because we have not occupied the land, which is a command of the Lord, he said, go and occupy. We're supposed to be the ones building the influence. No wonder Lil Wayne and Beyonce, these people, they've they've gotten our kids influenced because the church just says, oh, politics. We don't want to get involved with that. Oh, protesting. We don't want to be a part of that. Half of you don't even know your American history. I'm so blessed to hear the pastor speak and talk about this stuff. I had to learn it from, uh come on. I had to learn this from Dave Barton. I had, to, I had to listen to his stuff to learn this. I didn't know. I didn't know. But this the problem is, Christians, you want to go to church, you want to pray, you want to get a good job, you want to focus on your family, you want all the blessings of Abraham, but you don't want to take the cost that Abraham took. Come on. If we love God, we have to love our brothers too. And right now, our brothers that are lost and hate Jesus because they never experienced him. And how can they when Jesus is at home watching TV and watching a sermon? You are, when you look in the mirror, Christ is in you. So if you want to know what Christ looks like, look in the mirror. That's what Christ looks like. We're his image. And we're supposed to be out here working and tilling and collecting souls and occupying the land. This is the time to harvest because Jesus is on his way back. So this isn't even a black issue. It's not a Jew issue. It's not a Spanish issue. All of these little tedious things mean absolutely nothing. It's a church issue because we're still sitting here, wasting time. And our brethren is dying. And, you know, that's my heart with that. And, actually, it wasn't even bad for me to go to jail. When we got in the car, we were laughing. We had such a good time in jail, you guys. It was so exhilarating. I'm telling you right now, it just, like, it was like a thrill. Like, oh, man, we're going to jail for Jesus. We were in the back of the car. We were screaming, like, all right, God, yeah. So So <laughs> it, it is a joy to serve our Lord. It's a joy to just stand for righteousness. And you know what? I'm going to tell you how real it is with our culture. Let me know if I'm talking too long. Um. I, I, Me and her are doing something that old white people have been doing for years, okay? All white people. They go out with their signs and a lot of old Spanish Catholics and things like that. They'll go out with their signs and their rosary and they're standing there and they're like, you know, fighting for our lives and stuff like that. And a lot of times we would overlook them and just think, oh, they're crazy. But the culture is so... Um, desperate for our influence that me and her because we're black women could do something that these people have paved the way for us to do we were actually trained by an old white couple to go and fight for our own people let's be real and now we're getting we're blowing up online people want to hear about us people about want to know what we're doing but it's because people who truly love the lord taught us they discipled us And now we are out doing it. So now we are defying every single culturistic, uh, you know, uh, what are they, stereotype, we're black, we're females, we're all of that. But it took an old white couple who loved Jesus enough to say, I'm going to teach these girls. These girls got a heart. And there are people out there that just need to be taught. They're looking for fathers and mothers in Christ to teach them, and we will change the world. Amen? Thank you,
2: Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I, um... You said something earlier um, as far as standing as, I guess, black women or how how do we relate as black women. I I know you made a statement earlier. And what I wanted to say is the only reason why I'm here is because I love Jesus. It has nothing to do with this. And I want to make a point of that because Many of us, and I guess I'm going to speak now for black folk, we have made this God. We have made our color God. We idolize this. You see, the Lord made me a woman, He made me black, He made me tall. Um, I'm not ashamed of how He made me, He knew what He was doing. But I'm not proud either. My pride is not in how I look. My pride is in him. You understand? Because you see, my gender, my color, my height did not go on the cross for me. Jesus did that. And if this is true for me, and if it's true for you, then the problem is solved. So we don't have to nickel and dime as far as culture. We don't have to see, oh, how am I going to? talk to you so that I don't offend you. My Bible says, no, no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. In Christ, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, no male, no female. So is it true or is it not? So my appeal to us as the bride of the most handsome bridegroom, okay, my appeal is that we truly grab a hold of Jesus and make him our identity, Make him our idol. Make him our very being. Do we understand that? If we as a body do that, why am I going to hate on how you look? Why would you hate on how I look? And now I can appreciate the glory of God in his creativity. Because he's creative. He's not boring. So he made some tall and some, you know, short and some darker, lighter, male, female. Who are we? With a reflection of who he is. So if we fight amongst each other, what does that say to him? So that's my encouragement. I so it. Appreci- where have you been? Is my question. Where have you been? <laughs> Do we have to drive here every week now? Is that is, is, is <laughs> I don't want to speak too fast though, no, because I'm not trying Chicago. I'm I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Chicago is a it's a different beast. I I, I you know what? I'm I'm gonna stay where we are until we move someplace else. But Chicago is a different beast, but I gotta admit. I've never seen anything like this. No. No. The mixture of scripture, of truth, of culture, of politics. Clear. Yes. This is amazing. Y'all are blessed. Yes. Y'all are blessed. Yes. Please glean, glean everything you're getting from this church, glean it. Cause yes. this is a blessing. Y'all are, y'all are privileged. I've been for this for seven years. I mean, I'm serious. Where have you been? You're everything, like, all of, what, in the bag of chips, how you say? I wasn't born here, so I'm, I'm, uh, uh, all of that in the bag of chips. This is, I mean, this. I mean, seriously. But I really, truly appreciate your boldness. The fact that you have the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man. Because we know that the fear of man is a snare. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay. And so thank you for giving us the platform, calling Bev yesterday. I haven't listened to the interview yet. It's been a whirlwind uh, since yesterday. But I tell you what, what a fun ride it is. Yeah. Disney has nothing on the kingdom of God, I tell you that much. You, you do the things of the Lord, I, I, I promise you. I promise you. You don't need to be entertained. Your life is the entertainment, I guarantee you. Yeah. But we want to encourage you, this is your birthright. Do not sell it. For some American dream. Okay? You have a voice. Speak. In word and deed. In word. Live your life in Christ. In word and deed. Words are very important. A lot of us now, have, you know, we, we try and do deed only. And we don't say anything. But my God created this world with his word. He didn't take a shovel. He spoke. And that's what's been missing. is the voice of the church in every sphere of influence. We have enough people here to shake this world for Jesus. Yes. You hear what he says. You believe what he says. You become what he says. And you manifest what he says in your word and your action. So we want to encourage you. I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed again. I thank God for Bev. If, I guess we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. She's the face of the ministry of, you know, in the back. So most people know her. You know, but I, 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 she's, this is the real deal. This is not for show. Uh, this is not for show. No, 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 no. This is not for show. This right here is the real, real deal. And I praise God for her, and I praise God again for this morning.
0: Amen. Thank you, sisters. You guys can stay up there. Thank you. Yes. If you, amen. You, you guys, could you stay right there, though, by that X? Can you stay by that this X there? I'm so sorry. It's just for social distance. They're watching us. If you go on that X by her, if you go by, I'll be on this X. You'll go on that X. There you go. Stand next to each other. Yes, there we go. Sorry to make that weird and complicated. Can you put up Bevelin's Facebook page so they know how to support you? We've already blessed them as a church. We're going to bless them again. But if you want to give online and just mark Bev or uh, in the well ministry, at the well at the well ministries we'll make sure to give for whatever you want to give for but here's how you can give directly if you go to at the well ministries.org we'll put it up here so we had overflow today it's in the back there thank you for coming let's all stand up as we're getting ready to dismiss and we'll pray together so here's their website yeah there we go I love this this is amazing. This is amazing. So this is them. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here today. If you came here today and you don't know the Lord, just pray and ask him to come into your heart as Lord and Savior right now. We will be dismissing in just a moment due to our COVID restrictions, but we are happy to be in the house of God. And if you need prayer, we'll pray with you. But right now, pray on your own. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Come into my heart and life. If you're already a Christian and you were convicted by today's message, ask the Lord to change you, to take away a heart of stone and to bless you, to make you a warrior for his kingdom, to be a disciple maker. Right now, we pray for everyone in this place. In the name of Jesus, Lord, those who don't know you, we pray that they'll come to know you. And God, those that do know you will serve you and make a difference. And specifically what's going on right now with injustice, oh God, we pray that the church will take its stand and all these spears of injustice and we'll be radical leaders of your love and of your grace, transforming the way the narrative is going right now. And specifically for Sister Bev and her friend, God, may they be blessed as they go to where they're traveling to. Keep all of us safe here. Thank you for bringing visitors today. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said... Amen, let's bless the Lord. All right, so we have to dismiss according to the regulations.